0: uh um.
1: Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to.
2: <laughs> Mo had a minor stroke. I did. I to just shut
1: off for a second. Welcome to Daily Grindhouse presents No Budget Nightmares. This is Mo.
2: He's a
3: bat film hating,
1: while I skating all the while Master that
3: That's Mo porn, yeah. yeah.
1: And with me, as always, the one and only Doug Tilly. Bow. He's Doug bow, Tilly, bow, 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 number bow, one super bow, guy. Bow, bow.
2: Yes, Mo, we're back once again, No Budget Nightmares. Uh, And this week on No Budget Nightmares, we have a very special movie to talk about. Though, the first thing I want to mention before we get to the movie, Mo, is that introduction music. If that music comes from this movie, it must be a great movie. It sounded really good.
1: Uh, Not at all. Not at all, my friend. (laughs) It sounded really good, Mo. Yeah, well, nothing in this movie sounded good, so... Yeah. No, I... No, I, I... I decided this week pretty early on in watching the film actually um uh, I think it was actually within the first five seconds of the <laughs> film actually starting that I realized that there is not going to be any usable audio in this uh in this film so that uh that opening track uh is from a band called three inches of blood uh, I picked them because they are Canadian and I know how much you have you know canadian pride um and that 's a uh uh just a little acoustic guitar you know, thingy that they do called 1234.
2: Well, Mo, I like their acoustic guitar thingy that you played, and I'm glad that you played a Canadian band, uh, because it does get me in a very pumped, good mood. I'll be honest, uh, Mo, I, I was listening back to the previous episode, which I liked very much, and I recommend that anyone that's interested in Suburban Sasquatch, go and check that out. And I was in a very giggly, silly mood. For the whole show, yeah, uh, for the whole fucking show, like serious uh, mental problems going on uh, I,
1: I had I actually had a lot of fun listening back to that one because like i'm at, at this point in the game i don 't really do any editing anymore, you know I basically just listen back to make sure there 's no like ridiculously long you know awkward pauses um, and then uh, and then just throw it up on the uh, 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 you know
2: on our host site yeah i 'm a thirty one year old Man, Mo, and I should never be getting that giggly anymore. Uh,
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? At, at least, at least you you got that giggly over you know a relatively decent movie. I get that giggly over to catch a predator. Right. Uh-huh.
2: <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, bypassing that topic slightly, today <laughs> we're going to be talking about the. Uh, you can't see me right now. I'm doing quotation marks. 2004 film. Uh-huh. Vampire Hunter. Yeah, 2004, my ass. 2004. Now, in reality, uh, Vampire Hunter was actually a uh, relic, I suppose you might say, from the mid-'90s, from the golden age of shot-on-video genre films. And uh, it actually ended up not getting released or having any sort of wide release until 2004. So if you look it up on the Internet Movie Database, it says 2004. But in reality, the, uh, the copyright at the end says 1997. I think I've read somewhere else where it might have been started in 1995. So, needless to say, uh, the fact that the production values are a little iffy uh, and that it was shot uh, clearly on VHS, mm. it, it's, it's not surprising considering when it actually was made.
1: Yeah, I mean, not only was this shot on VHS, this was shot on VHS, you know, like on one of those camcorders that has the mic, you know, <laughs> in the camcorder. Because, man, you know, like I was thinking about it, like how much better – I mean, because this movie's not bad. No. You know, it's actually – pretty good you know as far as as far as this sort of shit is concerned but i mean like just if they had taken that one extra step just to get like a boom mic and like some kind of audio device where they could have recorded the audio separately i mean this would have
2: been uh, like a 150 percent better movie I mean, in my written review, I mentioned that that the movie itself is kind of prescient, right? I mean, if it really was started in 1995, uh, you're talking about, you know, before Blade, uh, mm-hmm. really before, even though it's post the Buffy the Vampire Slayer movie, it's really uh, before the TV series really hit. Yeah. So you're talking about a movie that was in some ways ahead of its time. I mean, it is about a guy kicking vampire ass. It's really uh, an action horror. Uh, there's probably elements of comedy, but it's mostly action horror. Uh, yeah. You know, it, it, the plot itself, even though there aren't many locations in it, it reminds me a lot of those uh, straight to uh, to VHS, straight to DVD movies from the late 90s with, like, there's a Don to the Dragon Wilson one where he fights vampires. <laughs> I even think there's a Steven Seagal one where he fights vampires. But it, it's really in that mold. And, uh, and, and what's great about it is that it's setting up this lead actor, director, uh, man of all... Talents, uh, Jack
1: of nine hundred <laughs> trades. Yeah,
2: as as this action star, they even give him like the. Anyway, we'll get to why he's an action star. But uh, I've never, I've never seen
1: one name so many times on credits before. <laughs>
2: I could, I could introduce you to some movies which are just one credit, <laughs> one guy over and over again. But yeah, no, but I- at least in the case of this one, you can tell that uh, this person is credited so often because. This is his passion project. Oh, without a doubt. This, this not only is it all designed around him, uh, it's he is the show. Uh, and 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 frankly, he's he's pretty impressive. Uh, he is the best part of this movie. And yeah, without without a doubt, he's I mean, he's not
1: a great actor as such, but he's. A phenomenal martial artist.
2: Yeah, let's let's cut, clarify that we're talking about Sean Gallimore, who's the the director, writer, star of this film. Yeah, lighting, uh, editor, <laughs> catering, catering, <laughs> <laughs> props, <laughs> and uh, and Sean Gallimore. Uh, if you look him up online, you will discover two things about him. One is that he is a martial arts expert, a legitimate one. Uh, And that becomes very clear very quickly in the movie because he demonstrates a lot of that skill. And he's, you know, I mean, he's obviously very, very talented at it. (laughs) And number two is that he is a very talented artist who specializes in sort of fantasy nude. uh, I said in the the written review that it looks like the covers of Heavy Metal magazine. Yeah. Uh, And that's the kind of stuff that he does. He's very kind of ultra realistic. um, uh, drawings of, of really impressive stuff really impressive stuff yeah. but, but it's such a weird kind of nerdy combination because he's also worked on like some Disney films uh, he, yeah a, yeah yeah I mean like,
1: um, uh,
2: like like I was looking at his IMDB
1: page and he was like he like worked on like Thumbelina yeah and like so I mean, just a lot of
2: really weird shit, but he, yeah, but he did, he, did, he did a lot of uh, like
1: not animation but character design
2: yeah and and uh, he did work as an assistant animator, uh, doing like keyframes, so I guess the stuff in between the main frames yeah. on things like Pocahontas and Hercules and Tarzan yeah. like big disney movies, so yeah. um, and this and he continues to to work uh, in the sense that he 's he's, uh, he's done like stunt coordination in films, even up to two thousand and eleven so I mean this is a, a really talented guy and it uh, and this movie is designed or was designed to show off his talents it's actually a yeah, little...
1: it's like a it's a it's a Sean Gallimore showcase and it's also a
2: vampire movie which is
1: always awesome
2: and it's a vampire movie in a more traditional they're not romanticized I mean even though uh, the main vampire character is supposed to be sort of this hunky guy <laughs> in a very mid-90s sort of way the, uh, <laughs> he, gigantic
1: uh... shoulder pads <laughs>
2: Um, he, He's—it's—it's uh, it's very much uh, vampires are evil, and I need to kill as many of them as quickly as I can with a crossbow. That's
1: correct. <laughs> it's correct. I can't really elaborate on that more. That's, before, that's the movie.
2: Before we go into the plot mo, I just want to mention to everybody, anyone who's interested in watching this film, uh, we do have a link to it on both uh, the written review of. Vampire Hunter, as well as on the No Budget Nightmares Facebook uh, page.
1: And and despite the fact that the audio quality is pure shit, I still suggest that everybody go and watch it, because it is... I mean, even just for the martial arts exhibitions alone, it's totally worth watching. It's really... Really fun stuff.
2: Exactly. And, I mean, just go check it out. I mean, it, it can't hurt. And, 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 by the way, it's legally put up online, so we're, uh, we're not stealing money out of Sean Gallimore's pocket because I wouldn't want that. I think he would beat the living fuck out of me.
1: <laughs> <laughs> he would find you. He would shave your head into a,
2: into a high-low and beat the crap out of you. Well, I mean, there's, there's certain aspects of that that appeal to me, but I'm sure there's a downside. I'm just not seeing. <laughs> so let's talk Vampire Hunter. Yeah. Yeah, Vampire Hunter, much of the action takes place in an art gallery. Which, when you think vampires, you think art galleries. These are vampires who are interested in art for some reason, uh, mostly because it ties in both his art skills and his eventual uh, martial arts demonstrations.
1: Yeah. I mean, in the realm of Sean Gallimore, it makes total sense that this would take place in an
2: art gallery. Um now, the, the opening of the film actually takes place at the art gallery where uh, a different character, not Sean Gallimore's character who's named John O'Ryan, that's uh, Sean Gallimore, but there's a character at the beginning who's coming to the art gallery to rescue, um, I guess it would be his girlfriend who's been captured yeah. by the vampires. Uh, and in fact, we, we have, I think, a little bit of the audio so you can see just how terrible it is, especially in this first scene where it's just horrible. Yeah.
3: You have another lady. What? What? <laughs> <laughs> I got
1: off my end of the deal. A gun? That's what you brought to save her? It's a great line, but <laughs> so it sounds like it, it would be a lot better if I could actually understand. I mean, because that first one's like, <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like it was all
2: recorded on a Mr. Microphone. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> hey, little lady, we'll be back for you later. Um, the whole thing was done on a Talk
1: Boy. Yeah. <laughs>
2: But uh, yeah, so. But it, that said, it does improve slightly after that opening scene. But it's still, if we were to play audio clips, people would be like, "What is he saying?" And it's, exactly. And it's See, funny. I mean, it's funnier for us just to act it out anyway. <laughs> but uh, but this
1: first scene actually, like I, you know, a lot of the times in these movies, like the first scene has to sort of like set the standard for the rest of the movie. Right. And thank God that this one didn't. Because this first scene with this just pathetic vampire hunter, you know, it was just, it was without a doubt, I mean, in my opinion, the worst
2: scene in the film. It doesn't put its its best foot forward, that's for sure. No, it really
1: doesn't. In fact, it puts its worst foot forward because not only is this guy a chump, you know, uh, (laughs) he brings a gun to a vampire fight, you know, uh, I mean, and, and then when he finally does whip out the stakes, they look like pencils. And and he's wearing a, a string of garlic around his <laughs> around his chest, and he just he just looks completely ill prepared, and he can't fight, and you know it just it just it was such it seemed like such a waste of time, except for the fact that it lets you understand who the
2: bad guy was, who is uh, the ridiculously named Morgan Bane. Morgan Bane is the main character. Morgan Bane p- played the main, by. Antagonist, Antagonist. that's right. He yeah. is, he's, a, he's the baddie. Um, and he is ridiculous in a lot of different ways, not uh, not the least of which is his ponytail.
1: <laughs> yeah, he has a ridiculous ponytail. He wears a, a ridiculous, like, purple blazer with gigantic shoulder pads. He really looks like he's straight out of, like, an MC Hammer video.
2: The, the only reason I wish we had some audio, even though you could hear it just then, is that he he has sort of a weird accent that I don't know if it's... If he's trying to do an accent, or maybe the wearing the vampire teeth makes it difficult to talk, but he has a very, very like kind of um, purposeful way of speaking that uh, is ridiculous. I mean, and I think I think
1: when he was given direction, they probably said to him, "Try to sound old." (laughs) You know, like try. I mean, not like not like you're eighty. You know, try to sound like you're four hundred years
2: old. You know, you know. One of the other things I like about this movie, and you brought a gun. (laughs) (laughs) That's what you brought to save her? One of the things I like, and that line is a good example, is that this uh, film, compared to almost all of the the features that we've covered on No Budget Nightmares, is... Is pretty well written. I mean, th- there are some good lines. Uh, characters are given proper motivation. Uh, yeah. it, there isn't things that are just kind of left off. It's a very simplistic plot, but that's good because all it means is we, I mean, it's not hard to follow. You can yeah. watch it silent, and you probably could figure out what's going on. Well, a lot of these movies should have that. I mean, like I think I think
1: one of uh, I think one of the biggest problems we have with these movies generally is that they try to do these grandiose things that they just can't get away with and if they simplified their plots a little bit you know and made the story easier to follow it would be a much better movie um i i I, you know you have to commend uh gallimore at the very least you know he he managed to write uh, a a, a, an easy to follow storyline i'm sure it's simplistic but it's
2: an action film. What do you expect? Exactly, it's an action film. It should be simplistic, and it yeah. is. Um,
1: yeah. th- this the so well done Sean Gallimore.
2: <laughs> I'm sure he's listening. <laughs> uh, okay. So there's a few more decent lines at this scene, but it's a very it's very simplistic. Uh, Morgan Payne kills this vampire hunter and the girlfriend. Uh, and really, the, the suggestion is that these vampire hunters or these people trying to kill the vampires, that there's been a string of them and they just haven't been up to the task. So the guy is supposed to look fairly weak, I think, in this opening scene. No one uh, is up to snuff. <laughs> he goes, I'm bored. Immortality... Sucks. See, sucks. Because he's a vampire. Uh, Now, this is a question I have for you, Uh, (laughs) Mosiv. Would you consider this film? And think about this: Uh a a religious film.
1: Um, no, not not as such. I mean, I think in the realm of vampire, it makes sense. That, you know, that the, that the character would have to have some kind of faith uh-huh. because that's part of the mythology. I mean, that's always been part of vampire mythology is that
2: crosses only work when the person has faith. Exactly. Now, I mean, the same kind of plot line and not to give too much away, but uh, there is the use of crosses to fend off the vampire. Uh, vampires... John O'Ryan, Sean Gallimore's character is an atheist and that's why crosses don't work for him. I think the same sort of thing is, I mean it's been done in lots of vampire movies I think even From *Dust Till Dawn probably has a, a, an element where uh, when you lose faith you don't have the ability to use a cross anymore. I might be wrong exactly. on that. Exactly. Yeah, well I mean yeah, but I've definitely seen it in other in other movies. I mean, I'm, I'm with you. I don't think it's necessarily religiously motivated, but the, the whole kind of arc of the film is about a character finding his faith in God and... Yeah, it's a little ridiculous, but I mean This opening whatever. scene does end with the, the Morgan Bain basically pleading to God to send him a real vampire hunter. <laughs> he does. He he asks he God. He does.
1: He actually asks God to send him a real vampire hunter. And God answers with and his God answers. With his
2: artist, cheesy pin up artist slash kung fu guy.
1: Man. And 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 you're giving the goods right off the bat. I mean, like like we get a little bit of opening credits, you know, some really uh, ridiculous <laughs> opening music. The music is the music all throughout it is absolutely ridiculous, it's really ridiculous. Um, and we'll play some of that at the end. Oh, I'm looking forward uh, to it. I really am. I want to hear it. Yeah. Again. <laughs> I my you know like they have this song through the closing credits, you know, and they and they don't play the whole song. And it's so disappointing because I want to hear the rest of the song. <laughs> all we get is we get like a minute and a half of it. But, uh, but yeah, so we come back in and there's like, you know, this wall of, you know, just like, you know, it seems like all martial artists, like anybody who's serious about martial arts has a, has a wall dedicated to, you know, martial arts weaponry. And, uh, and uh, John O'Rion is no different. Now,
2: the interesting thing is that it's very much of its time in regards to what we're looking at here.
1: Sure, Be- sure.
2: Because now, you know, people would consider themselves, and rightfully so, martial artists if they were, you know, deep into mixed martial arts and they were interested in, like, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, that style. But this is a guy – and, I mean, I don't want to – I don't know much about Gallimore's background, but this is a guy who must have loved, like, ninja films and, uh, and, and martial arts movies because – he has all of those like teenage mutant ninja turtle weapons. Yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> Throwing and, and, stars. Yeah, I mean, but and, and he
1: and I have. I mean, really, I don't think I've ever seen anybody wield a nunchuck better than this dude. He is amazing with it. He actually. is absolutely incredible with. I mean, and not just one. I mean, you see him whipping around, you know, pairs of them, and just like. Fuck, man! Like, it really, really impressive. In like, fact, I loved
2: it. He's great at spinning just about anything.
1: <laughs> That's true. That is true. Yeah, basically any any weapon you can hand him, that he can make it spin. <laughs> and,
2: <laughs> and he does so in this opening scene where it's just really an exhibition of him just going off on some weapons with the nunchucks, with yeah. uh, with uh, with, uh, with a bow uh, staff. Yeah, with See, bow staff. Teenage Ninja Turtles. No, you're right. Nunchuck, bow staff,
1: uh, katana. Yeah. Uh, i 'm trying to think of what the last ninja turtle used, oh size he doesn't use size, no size, but he does have them on his wall. Yes, he
2: does no, he has everything, oh, he has everything and it 's a good thing because these make for great things to have available to you if you're making an action movie,
1: yeah, I mean, and if you need to and if you know if you need to have a make a quick uh montage scene, you know. Sure, absolutely. We're about the, the throwing stars. Throw it at a at a piece of wood, <laughs> and leave
2: the fancy throwing star for last. Yeah, of course. <laughs> so John O'Reilly, the three point. <laughs> so John O'Reilly, I think the 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 when they flesh out his backstory a little bit a bit later, we learn I think, and you can correct me on this, that he was a former Marine uh, who trained in martial arts in Japan. And yeah, that was that's, yeah,
1: that's the idea.
2: And that now that's he that's lives the in the idea. States, and he's an artist. That's what he does for a living. And his wife, it is his wife, yes, Heather. She is his agent, I guess you would say. Yeah. Right. Sounds easy enough. In fact, after his little martial arts exhibition, he goes up the stairs, and uh, his wife is still sleeping. Uh, and uh, she comes out of the shower and says, hey, you should have woke me up. And then she throws away the towel, and I guess they fuck.
1: They do it. They do it. We don't get to see it. We don't get to see anything, but
2: whatever. It's a kid's movie. <laughs> I don't know if it's a kid's movie. <laughs> it's not a kid's movie. <laughs> but what's great is that then she goes to work, and we get our first look at Sean Gallimore slash John O'Ryan, the artist, as opposed to the martial arts expert. But think about it for a second, though, okay? He
1: comes back up from his from his dojo, let's say, Yeah. Uh, you know, and... Uh, and she's still asleep and he has time to take a shower and drink some kind of uh, you know, uh protein beverage, I right? assume. Uh, and wash out the uh wash out the thing before she before she gets out of the shower. He gets up What early. time what time is he waking up in the morning
2: to go and spin a bow staff, you know? <laughs> if I was that good at martial arts, I'd be doing it all the time <laughs> just, i would i would be i would be making art by putting paintbrushes on the end of my bow staff and just whipping them around there, there are some great examples of his art that you see throughout the film on on his um in his garage where all of these weapons are there's a great uh bruce lee from game of death uh picture mm-hmm. that he's obviously drawn himself i mean he's a really talented artist but he draws it seems like he draws topless women almost exclusively Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we get to see that right away, like you said. We're, we're, we see more of his talents right now, and we get to see. Yeah, we're, we. Yeah, we. we they got a nice little pan shot across across
1: the wall, and the first couple of pictures we encounter are pretty. Tame and, right. and and relatively normal, you know, uh, and then and then you just start and then like, boobs and boobs and boobs and boobs, you know, and then we cut to the picture that he's working on <laughs> and boobs.
2: I love when they show him like shading one of the breasts, <laughs> like really. He's really <laughs> intense. A really, about yeah, it. there's
1: a really really great scene where they come back to him and he's working on. Uh, on one of his pictures and he is just like tirelessly just shading the cleavage. (laughs) You know? Um, Just like working on it like it's just the most important thing
2: in the world. Uh, Now, another thing to note is that we're not just... Look, this is a really talented guy. He's obviously not just exclusively a dork or something like that. He's incredibly... I mean, he's in incredible shape. Mm -hmm. Uh, But his uh, studio for doing his drawings is... So geeky. <laughs> the walls are yeah, covered like, with action yeah, the, figures. Yeah, the, I mean, there is there is an entire wall that
1: that has that's got to have at least I don't know, like say I'd say four or five shelves of nothing but Batman figures. Yeah, like lots and lots. I mean, the whole wall is Batman figures. But I mean, but like the first like four or five rows of that wall is Batman. It's yep. just Batman. This guy likes Batman. It's awesome.
2: He <laughs> must be very excited. And think
1: about it, And think about it. You know, like, at that time, you know, like, I mean, this would be all going based on, like, all of those toys would either be based on the first couple of Michael, uh, the first couple of Tim Burton films uh, and the animated series.
2: Yeah, because this would have even been before uh, Batman uh, Forever.
1: Yeah, so I mean, we're talking like I mean, I, maybe Batman Beyond might might have been to there, but we're really just talking about like Batman the Animated Series and like Batman and Batman Returns.
2: Not counting, of course, Super Friends and all of that. No, sort well, of yeah, stuff.
1: yeah. <laughs> but good golly, I mean, but it's, uh, it's uh, but it's a really awesome. I, I got to say, I mean, uh, the geek inside me was was. You know, was very proud of, the, of that collection.
2: And, and this scene also has the first uh, inkling uh, towards that horrible music we mentioned earlier.
0: <laughs> uh, the,
2: in fact, the closing song plays during the scene, and I—I w- I mean, it is. Amazing. I'm going to play two seconds of it. Dream Machine. Okay, um, I'll, I'll play a second of it here. Okay, because
1: because uh, it's awesome.
3: <laughs> i love this. I love this. can the chip, I can give you what you need.
2: I, I, oh, yeah, I you, All right. What? I I want to do the rest of that part where she goes, I'll come through the window of your mind. Here. (laughs) Apparently that comes later. Huh? Apparently that part comes later.
1: Yeah, I guess so. But, man. So that's what Lita Ford has been up to.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, so that's terrible, obviously. I mean, it's, even if this was 1995, that was terrible in 1995 as well.
1: That was, yeah. I mean, that's well, well past its sell-by date.
2: But he likes to listen to cheesy metal or whatever Dang. that is uh, while he's uh, while he's doing his drawing. And uh, I love
1: I love the scene where the phone rings and he turns the music down. Yeah, you know, and like. You know, like, they did, they did such a bad job of, like, timing it. <laughs> it's like he turns it down, and then, like, two seconds later, it fades slowly down. And then he turns it back up, and it, like, it
2: fades slowly back up. It's awesome. Well, we need to bring our protagonist and our antagonist together. And we do that because the art gallery contacts Heather because they want to do a showing of John's paintings and who wouldn't now the art gallery as we mentioned before is is run by morgan Bain, the vampire though uh, they, they, our main characters don't know that at this point and they go to visit him yeah you know th- <laughs> they they go in i
1: mean like it's so ridiculous like like they're not trying to hide anything no you know i mean cuz basically within within minutes of john showing up at this gallery he's attacked by a vampire hunter <laughs> yeah you know and and of course for some reason John protects him i mean i get it like you know he doesn't want to you know at that point he thinks he's innocent so there's no reason yeah. that someone should stab him while he's there but and, i mean it's like the guy's attacking him with a wooden stake what do you think he's there
2: for you know Mo, and then, seriously do you really think that if you're in a social situation where someone just decides to stab someone with a piece of wood you'd be like oh Let's, let's not stop this guy because he must be attacking a vampire. I would
1: assume he was a vampire. I would assume <laughs> the
2: person he was attacking was a vampire. And I would say good riddance to you, sir. Well, the vampire hunter that we're talking about is Ramon, who uh, does continue to be a pretty major character for the rest of the film. And what I kind of liked is that he has a cross tattooed on the palm of his hand, which I think pretty clever. Brilliant pretty brilliant um and yes he does attack ramon um uh, sorry he does attack morgan bain and it's i'm I'm such a child of the
1: 90s that every time i heard ramon's name the the only thing i could think of was i'm oozing machismo
2: (laughs) hey you want the bad guy um you want the bad guy (laughs) oozing machismo now, John and, uh, and Morgan, the owner of the gallery, they do not get along right from the beginning because uh, Morgan is a creep, for one thing, and obviously mm-hmm. a creep, and he continues to hit on John's wife while he's there in front of him. <laughs> uh, and he, uh, they, just, they, they just don't mix well. So John uh, is really against the idea of showing his paintings, especially after that guy tries to attack Morgan, who shows, by the way, that he's wearing a Kevlar vest. I
1: that, – that, that was my biggest bone of contention with this movie was that Kevlar vest because – I mean, I don't know if it was just, like, a lack of research on their part, but crossbows go right through Kevlar. Like, a crossbow won't – a Kevlar won't stop a crossbow. I don't know.
2: I mean, I'm not no, I'm saying it so wrong.
1: But uh, that's what I'm saying. Like, I had a, I had a friend who kind of went a little crazy and uh, – Oh, really, and, Mo <laughs> Yeah, well – Okay, if I have more than one friend who have gone crazy, but this one particular friend, um, not surprisingly, a guy I used to play Dungeons and Dragons with, <laughs> uh, who liked to call himself a Raven. Um, <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he went, he went a little nuts and um, and uh, and pulled a crossbow on the cops and almost got himself killed because they don't fuck around with that. Because, like I said, it'll go
2: right through Kevlar. You're telling me that the cops don't fuck around when it comes to crossbows being drawn on them. They don't. Uh, now no, they'll they'll take you down way faster if, if you draw a crossbow than, than if you draw a gun. Yeah, because like you said, it'll go right through a Kevlar vest. By exactly. the way, Mo, um Cheers. Did you know that Sean Gallimore, the star of today's film, is from your neck of the woods? He's from Connecticut. Really? Yeah, born I and did raised. No, I did not know that. Did it say where? Uh, You know, as much as my research is... (laughs) I'm on his website right now. No, it doesn't say where. But I'm sure we could find out, and I'm sure we could um, track him down. I got his email address. Let's find out. (laughs) Maybe some other time.
1: I'll be like, dear Mr. Gallimore, I really love your pictures of breasts. Can you... Come visit me. Well, I live in Connecticut.
2: Well, Mo, your boner of contention aside, uh, <laughs> uh, the Kevlar vest would likely stop, I would think, a uh, stake that was just trying to be driven oh, sure. with his hand into Yeah, absolutely. Part. So yeah. it's a good reason to still wear it. Sure. You don't necessarily run into people who just have crossbows on their person. John had one. <laughs> John definitely has one. And a, <laughs> and a regular bow and arrow as well. Which is kind of awesome. Now, Heather uh, is – one of the refreshing things about this is that Heather as a character is is pretty capable. It, they mm-hmm. could have set it up right away that she's – because when they go back home after this meeting, uh, she at first is kind of upset about John be, uh, not giving Morgan a chance to put his, uh, his art in the museum. But when he mm-hmm. explains, he's like that, that – um, he goes, I didn't come back to the States to get involved with someone like Morgan Bain. Um, she kind of <laughs> backs down right away in a, in a kind of a good way where it's like, okay, if that's what you want, it's, it's your fucking art. Who cares? Yeah, yeah. But uh, that night, Morgan appears in front of their house. I do like that uh, it does kind of obey kind of those traditional vampire rules that vampires can't come into your house unless they're invited, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, and, and there's a, just a brief scene now where, uh, John wakes up in the middle of the night because he thinks someone is in his uh, house and he he walks around with a gun in his underwear. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) It seems to me
1: that, uh, Sean Gallimore took any possibility, like any, any opportunity that he had to like not have a shirt on or not wear pants. Vampires better pop this shirt off. <laughs> <laughs> time to get serious. Off go the pants.
2: And you mentioned that because uh, right after this scene where it shows him getting up with, in his underwear with a gun, uh, it goes right to more training. We get to yeah, see. Yeah, right
1: it. back to him, no shirt. Oh, no, he's using
2: the red gi this time, yes. right? Uh, yes, he is in the red gi and he's, uh, he's using batons and he's kicking a ball. And he's using fighting sticks. Yep. <laughs> but this is where we first get a look at his throwing stars too. Man, when I was a kid, throwing stars were the shit. Like that's what I wanted more than anything. More than a little brother, I wanted throwing stars.
1: I had a uh, I had a friend. I have a lot of friends, but uh, <laughs> he threw a throwing
2: star at a cop. They no, don't no, no, like he didn't that. He throw a throwing <laughs> star at a cop,
1: but he but he had some. And, uh, and my father was, uh, was sort of a handyman. So we had like a grinding wheel. Right. Um, so, so <laughs> he brought, so he brought the throwing stars to my house and we used the grinder to sharpen the shit out of them. Uh huh. I mean, like, like they were way too sharp, like way sharper than they should have been. And like we could have easily killed ourselves with them. And, uh, and we, and we took them into my backyard, um, my back door was uh, was made out of like very solid, you know, wood, <laughs> and so we were just chucking them at the back door, you know.
2: I don't see how that could have went wrong in any way. <laughs> Someone and maybe opening me. the back door.
1: <laughs> well, no, no, no. Nobody ever came through that. Nobody came through that way, and and you would know like in a second. I but. That aside, yeah, it was very, it was very dangerous. There was a lot of like, no, we had no training in throwing stars, so they were like, no, they were reflecting off, you know, like deflecting off of the door and like flying back at us. And like I said, they were way too sharp, and it, like it could have ended very badly, but it didn't. So
2: idiot kid kills family with throwing stars. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you didn't kill anyone with throwing stars, but they are deadly. As uh, as we see in the film as uh, as John throws his collection of throwing stars at a piece of wood and they embed very well.
1: I love how he like has drawn like a face and like a little body <laughs> onto the onto the piece of wood. And like and it seems it seems like he was trying really hard to hit the face each time and like just wouldn't miss. You know, I mean, the fact that he could throw them and embed them in wood. I mean, I don't think he was that far away, but I mean, but the fact that he could still embed them, especially as deep as he was. I mean, it's still very impressive. But you know, like, like finally, I think it took him like way more throwing stars than he intended.
2: Uh, to I finally hope, hit the face. I not know that you're not insulting a man who could literally be living five minutes away from, who <laughs> <me. laughs> owns a collection of throwing stars. Who's insulting him? I'm just <laughs> saying, like the dude. The dude's impressed Yeah, I guess With you can't throwing. hit the face, Sean.
1: Like, Whatever. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it just it just means that he'll likely hit my heart and not my face.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, uh, we do learn uh, that uh, John has unfortunately left his portfolio at the art gallery. Way to go, John. And he's pissed about it, and they have a little fight, him and uh, Heather do, his wife. Uh, And he decides, because he doesn't want his wife dealing with this asshole Morgan Bain that he'll drop by the art gallery and and pick it up himself because it's got to be such a
1: it's such a weird argument you know it's like like normally like an argument like that would be like no you go no you go no you and they're like no i'll go no i'll go no i'll go (laughs) (laughs) you know well it's like are you gonna go later you don't want him sitting around for eight hours
2: fine i'll go now no i'll go now (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and i'll be honest this whole the whole kind of of uh conflict that, that ends up with, with John uh, realizing that they're vampires, it could have been avoided so easily. <laughs> because he does go to the art gallery, and yep. they are immediately hostile to him when, they, when he goes in, to the point where one of the uh, the bodyguards, I guess you'd call them, of, uh, of Morgan Bain, one of his underlings, uh, he immediately starts threatening, <laughs> threatening John. <laughs> He, yeah, he
1: re- he really does. It's ridiculous. Like he pulls a gun on him within like seconds.
2: Yeah, he goes. You fast enough to stop a bullet. <laughs>
1: I, I, but his response is great, too. He's like, no, but I'm fast enough to kick you through that wall.
2: <laughs> which, and then he does. Which he, he does because he totally dominates pretty much everybody he faces in this, as well he should because he has uh, massive abilities uh, in I think the only I think the only person who actually gets a hit off on him in the entire movie is Bane. Yeah. Uh, and, and I mean, he's also the kind of person who prepares adequately, as we'll find out a little later. <laughs> So uh, he goes to um, – oh, yeah. So he's at the art gallery. He kicks the guy through. Basically, there's this curtain hanging in the art gallery. And on the other side of the curtain, because this, this place is like one room, is uh, is a coffin. Coffin. And uh, And that – if, now earlier, Mo, when, when you said that seeing someone try to stab someone with a piece of wood would tip off the vampire thing, this would be my moment of, of clarity <laughs> where it's like, wait a second, it's like, hmm, that guy was trying to stab him with a piece of wood, and now there's a coffin. You put those. Well, two I mean, but it, yeah, in. he was trying to stab him
1: with a piece of wood. Then he then he managed to get away by brandishing a water
2: pistol. Yeah. You know, and now here's a coffin, and they just let him get away too. Yeah. I don't know it's starting to come together in my own brain.
1: <laughs> I think I figured it out by now.
2: So I can't remember. I think John does find his uh, his portfolio there and grabs it. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So he grabs the portfolio and he leaves. And as he's driving home, he notices that Ramon is following him, and he stops him. <laughs> in fact, they stop next to each other, and, and he tells him to stop following him. And Ramon explains that the people are vampires. And but it's it's so
1: weird, though. I mean, like like. Like he like you don't understand what he's saying. No. Because the audio is shit. And and they're I mean they're literally filming on the side of a highway. Right. You know, so I mean it's like you've got all the <laughs> truck and car noises in the background. But yeah, but he basically tells him to stop following him and it's you know, I, I, just, I don't know. He goes it's
2: he goes, Bane's a vampire. And John goes, I'm worse than any vampire. <laughs> <laughs> and he is
1: <laughs> yeah. It's it's
2: true. It is true. He is a pretty he's a pretty badass motherfucker. <laughs> John gets home late. We're we we do not actually know why he ends up coming home late. Um but he comes home late and his wife is a little upset at him because they have company. Who is the company, Mo? Oh, it's Morgan Bain. Morgan Bain has been invited into his house. Dun 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 dun, dun, dun. And they have a very tense conversation. Ah! (laughs) What the fuck? Ow, my nuts! Um.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we should should probably explain to people that since I
2: didn't grab any audio from this one, I grabbed audio from other episodes.
0: Oh, my nuts!
2: (laughs) And in fact, uh, John comes home, and suddenly he's accosted by a suburban Sasquatch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Uh, That would have made for a great movie. (laughs) Oh, man. That would have been great. So John and Morgan uh, have a a tense conversation and and Heather uh, where Morgan is basically trying to convince John. (laughs) Heather goes that he has a really great offer, but the offer is just that they want to show his art at the gallery and john does a very funny thing <laughs> he basically stops the conversation and he pulls a little tiny cross out of his pocket
1: but it's more than just that though i mean he stops the conversation like the act of him pulling the cross <laughs> out of his pocket is so ridiculous because his pants are so high and they're so <laughs> like they're so like tight at the waist that like he can't get his hand in his pocket like you would just think that that would be the sort of thing. Like when you're making the movie, that you would just kind of keep it in your hand, did you know, Ram- and just did pretend. Ra- did
2: Ramon give him that cross?
1: I don't think. Ramo- uh, I don't think he did.
2: Neither do I. So he just happened to have a cross in his pocket. I, or something.
1: Yeah, I mean, maybe that's part of the reason why he was so late coming home. But
2: so he takes it and he very dramatically tosses it on the table, and, and he's
1: like... <laughs> slams it on the table,
2: <laughs> and uh, and no one reacts. Uh, and and we learn later that that's because he had to have faith in Jesus in order for the cross to work. Yep. But I loved it. Heather, his wife, gets uh, the the one of those Resident Evil lines. I call them Resident Evil lines from the first Resident Evil video game, of course, where yeah. someone just <laughs> they say words in a way that no one in real life would ever do. She goes, "Where did you get that, Mr. Atheist? That's a strange thing for you to have."
1: No, you're right. That is a total like Resident Evil one line.
2: <laughs> Mister, I think Atheist. I
1: think you the master of unlocking. <laughs>
2: um, and 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 even worse, fucking Morgan gives himself away uh, as a vampire before he leaves. Uh, basically, John shows him to the door, and right before he leaves, he says, "You gotta have faith for it to work," which totally gives away that he's a vampire. Yeah. Like why would he why would he do that? Because even at like this point like he had the upper hand. Yeah, and even at this point he must know that John is sort of a badass. I mean, he did stop that guy from stabbing him. Um and I think at this we're supposed to think that um Morgan A is incredibly overconfident, but also that he's obsessed with with Heather uh, and that he doesn't give a shit how how much he riles up John at this point.
1: Do you know who Bane reminded me a lot of? Bane? No, come on now. <laughs>
2: uh,
1: <laughs> I'll cross <it> <laughs> you to know, But uh, that's my bane impression. <laughs> uh, no, he reminded me a lot of Gene Simmons. Jeez, I could see that he's got that like sort like, of, like like that ni- like '90s era Gene Simmons. Like he's 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 a lot
2: like him. Where he's got this kind of ego that sort of drips everywhere. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly, exactly. Like I wouldn't be surprised. Like I like I was almost expecting him to be like you know like him wanting to put the name the word Bane on everything and sell it. You know, <laughs> which in essence is what he was doing. I mean, he runs an art gallery. It's 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 all
0: about him. Mm-hmm.
2: Very odd career choice, by the way, for a vampire. Um, so, not really when you think about it, because if he buys,
1: if he if he buys a piece of what what would be considered modern art now and holds on
2: to it for a couple of centuries, it becomes a classic. That is a brilliant thing that you just said, Mo. Boom. <laughs> someone someone should make I don't know a, a vampire art collector movie. Which is all about them just kind of sitting around waiting for <laughs> things to become valuable. Well, I mean, isn't that isn't that sort of
1: what uh, what uh, MacLeod did in the first uh, Highlander? Highlander, I guess like, so. What, wasn't he like an antique dealer?
2: I guess it's been done. All right. Moving on. <laughs> so John, who is at this point rather suspicious about this Morgan character, decides to give his friend Ray a call. And I think Ray is a, uh, a former Marine uh, with, who was who a Marine with John. Um, and they like to work out together like guys do. And, uh, and he's going to get Ray to check out this vampire guy and see what he's all about.
1: So much training.
2: Yeah, it goes right to another training
1: session. This time it's and this outdoors. is outdoors, and, and that's the one that has the, the the ridiculous Zubaz,
2: right? Yes, they have the Zubaz pants. Love it. Uh, which is, <laughs> I think, even in nineteen ninety five, people were starting to move away from that, but not Sean Gallimore, and good for him. Uh, no, I think I think it was still pretty prevalent in the realm of like
1: martial artists and and weightlifters, right? And professional still, wrestlers. Still wars. I mean hell now you still you still see him every now and again Yeah I bet he wears a fanny pack too <laughs> well, where, where else is he going to keep his uh, steroids?
2: <laughs> We're not saying that Sean Gallimore uses steroids. And I
1: No, I'm saying and, guys who wear Zubaz pants and, and fanny packs. That's or, right,
2: because yeah. he might live just down the street. Um, <laughs> <laughs> now, this conversation is also notable because it's dubbed. Uh, a lot of it is dubbed, and it looks really bad how, how much of it is dubbed because they're mm-hmm. outdoors and there's probably a lot of ambient noise. In fact, you can hear dubbed in birds underneath their conversation. They kick at each other. It's pretty good. The, I just, I'm, like, I'm just
1: flabbergasted by just how bad the audio is in this.
2: I mean, I think it's possible that they, he actually did have some audio recording equipment, and it's just the fact that this comes from what must be at least a second-generation VHS tape, that all the sources that we've seen of this are, that it could be just a result of, um, of a lot of, uh, You know, bad recording. Sure. Maybe. Maybe. Oh, remember when you were talking earlier about John uh, shading in some tits? Yes. This is what happens now. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And while he's uh, afterwards, after he's finished the shading, he has dinner. And while they're having dinner, there's a knock on the door. Or it's actually, it might be the doorbell. I can't fucking remember. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah.
2: <laughs> and uh, and it's Ray, and he's got news. He's found out. He's done his little infiltrating, and he's going to tell John all about this Morgan character. And they go down to the garage, uh, or out to the garage, to, uh, to have a little conversation about it.
1: Yes, they do.
2: And what do you think happens?
1: Uh... Nunchucks
2: mm, uh, Nunch- yes, that is what happens, but first before nunchucks happen, uh, it's revealed that Ray is now a vampire, oh yeah, that's right, he goes it's all real, marine, he's a fucking vampire, not a kid's movie,
1: <laughs> no, it's not a kid's movie, but I love how uh how like John like wants to fight him and Ray's like no, like like he's like I'm twice as fast and twice as strong now. And it's like whatever man john's a fucking badass he
2: not only says that he's twice as fast and strong he also says and i don't feel any pain which i mean oh. immediately he gets his ass completely demolished just handed to him yeah it's really
1: funny like like i mean and like not it's i mean dominated like not even like
2: like he doesn't even get like two hits off. He I don't even think he gets one. And in fact, it would have ended even faster because John pulls out a gun, but he uses sort of vampire hypnotism to make him drop it, uh, which yeah. which doesn't matter because John takes the nunchucks off the wall and spins him around and beats the shit out of him with him, and then <laughs> stabs him through the heart with the with the, the broken
1: nunchuck. Yeah, with the broken nunchuck. It's like one of those weird. It's not. I don't, it wasn't actually a nunchuck. Uh, I forget. I don't remember what the damn things are called. But it's like, it's like that weapon that has. It's like three sticks, and they're held together with chains. Oh,
2: the one from well, the the, the plot of uh, uh, the Thirty Six of Shaolin. It yeah. Has him inventing that weapon? The three, uh, the three section staff, right? Legendary weapon of China. Yeah. I think that's but that that but that's
1: that's what he attacks him with. It wasn't nunchucks, it was that. And then uh but then he like for some reason like it's really great, like uh how like he incorporates like they incorporate like a um like a demonstration like into the fight scene <laughs> where he like he like kicks through the three section staff and, uh, and that's what becomes the item that he stabs him with. Right. So ridiculous. Like, because, like, he holds it. Like, he braces it, you know? And, like, you get ready for the
2: kick. <laughs> <laughs> well, after killing Ray, uh, Bane actually arrives in his garage. Because since he was invited in before, he uh, apparently has free reign just to move around. Um, True. And... and- John, who is now convinced—not convinced of the—not convinced of the existence of God yet—but he is convinced that there are vampires. He uh, he says him like, "It's all true. You're a vampire." And Bane goes,
1: "And your and your dinner <laughs> and, your and your wife, wife dessert. <laughs>
2: <laughs> and then we get a fancy morphing effect where Bane's fingernails grow. Yeah, it wasn't bad. No, it was uh, – the, the special effects in general in this are, are actually pretty decent. Uh, there isn't yeah. a lot of them, but uh, but they always look pretty good when they happen. Um, e- even the morphing effect at the end, which we'll uh, we'll get to. Yeah. Yeah, I only have one complaint about about th- that effect at the end, and, and we'll talk about it when we get there. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, they're about to fight, and when suddenly uh, Morgan uses his special vampire powers to make the lights turn off. <laughs> it's great because John is presented as such a badass. Like Everything he says is like, he's so prepared. Because once the lights are off, he goes, the vampire goes, you're in my element now. <laughs> Wrong. You're in mine. <laughs> <laughs> but I guess it really wasn't because when the lights go back on, uh, his wife is gone. And uh, your you lose is written on a mirror because uh, apparently Morgan has stolen his wife. Makes sense. I, I love but you know what
1: uh you know what I kind of I kind of what kind of dawned on me is that like it seems to me like this John O'Ryan character is kind of like like he's he's almost like Chuck Norris you yeah. know like he's very he's very Chuck Norris it's it's very funny it's very funny to watch a to watch a non Chuck Norris Chuck Norris film <laughs> in fact it's
2: ideal to watch a non Chuck Norris <laughs> 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 uh. But uh laughs the man who owns every Chuck Norris film. <laughs> Well, I mean you would know as well as anyone. Yeah, that there are like three like really good Chuck Norris films. And that's only in the context of that sliding scale that we have in regards to what is good.
1: Oh yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. <laughs> Compare any of those Chuck Norris movies to even, like, to even some of the medi- the more mediocre, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger films, and they're still pure shit.
2: <laughs> I'm just going to read directly from my notes about what happens Do next. Do it. So, John goes directly to the gallery, because that seems like the most sensible spot to try to find out what the, where the fuck his wife is. And mm-hmm. I have it like this. It says, Guy with a knife. John kicks his ass. Kicks him in the balls. More guys come out. Breaks a picture frame. Beats them all up. Stakes them. Andrew, who's the uh, asshole guy from earlier who pu- pulled a gun on when uh, he went to the gallery the first time, Andrew comes yeah. out with a gun, quickly turns the gun around and shoots Andrew in the head. The other guy as well. That's it. So he goes to the gallery, he beats up a bunch of guys, and he shoots the asshole, uh, I guess first in command, uh, in in the head with his own gun. And uh, and which was actually a really like a really awesome. Yeah, it does look really great in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> And that's the, that's the thing. The, the choreography in this movie, it's not it's at not the level of like a Hollywood film, but it, it's great for a no-budget movie.
1: Sure. Yeah, it's, it's head and shoulders above any of these other films we've seen that have like fighting scenes.
2: <laughs> Which generally they try to avoid for obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean it's the fact that almost all of these extras, these other vampires, are almost certainly – uh, trained martial artists in some capacity because you can see that they they move fairly quickly especially later well in- it kind of makes me wonder if like i mean because obviously you've
1: done more research on this than i have so maybe you can answer this but it seems to me like sean gallimore like may have like a school or something Or d- does some training i wouldn't it, wouldn't it does some kind me. of training because i mean it seems it seems like they're all sort of trained in the same su- sort of style right
2: well i mean especially if he was the one who who did the choreography, uh, that could explain that, too. But, yeah, no, absolutely. You can see that they all kind of fight the same way. Mm. Um, So Bane isn't there. Um, In fact, uh, is that right? I can't remember if he's there or not. No, Bane's there. Oh, okay, so Bane's there. Oh, that's right. He has a gun. Yes, he's got a gun. And Ramon shows up and shoots him in the leg with an arrow. Uh, and this is part is really hard to understand what the hell they're saying. That dialogue is really badly recorded.
1: Yeah, I have no idea what, what they said. <laughs> like, there there are actually entire entire lines of dialogue in this movie that I have no idea what they said.
2: The important thing from this scene to remember is, is basically Ramon and John get together as sort of a unit to fight Morgan. Uh, and they all... Uh, Morgan takes off. Ramon and John go back to Ramon's house to basically uh, go over what these creatures are and how what they're going to do to stop them. Yep. <laughs> Everything all right over there, Mo? Just tired. <laughs> it's
1: been a long day, my friend. It's been a long day. Um, we got to
2: power through, Mo.
1: I know we really do. I I liked um. Well, uh,
2: fuck it. Let's edit point. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they go to Ramon's house. Uh, Ramon actually tells us that uh, that he's gotten in trouble with the police before, legally, like not because the police were in any way commanded by vampires, because uh, Morgan has told the police that he's stalking him, which he is because he's a vampire. But in this case, uh, the police. Um, have uh, come over to his apartment where both of them are and they both are have been turned into vampires and they're basically there to uh kick John and Ramon's asses.
1: Yeah, and they're I mean they're very, you know, like backwater sort of cops, you know, like not I mean they're like, you know, it's basically just a couple of chubby guys showed up <laughs> and you know, and like you can tell that they're vampires because they've got blood all over their necks. <laughs> really crudely put on blood on their necks, what? and like and like the like the bite marks are like so far apart that <laughs> like it would, like like it would never like you would never know. It's like what it like did you get attacked by like a fucking
2: you know hippo? I mean. I don't know Hippo vampire Now that is a good idea hmm. Yeah I, I've got to Call up the asylum See what we can uh, Get going <laughs> Hippo
1: <Hippomeyer. laughs>
2: So uh, they kill One of the cops Right away And they They basically Torture the other one To Oh wait i got a better idea Hampire That's, uh, that's a that's And it's about A vampire pig <laughs> That's too little Too late Too, too <laughs> stolen Trademark It's mine now I just mailed it In a letter to myself The whole idea Damn it <laughs> so they torture using holy water the other vampire and uh because they want to know where the hell um heather is being held and in fact Mm -hmm. he discovers john does that heather was actually on the roof of the gallery when he was there earlier but uh but now she's in the coffin room because there's only so many sets they have available to them (laughs) oh one really notable thing about ramon's apartment is that he has a giant army of darkness poster on his wall how did I miss that? Oh, you missed that? I mean, it's very, very visible, but it's also—I mean, I—I—I I, I, I like. Generally, I don't like. I, I might have had my head down taking a note. <laughs> sure, you did, Mo. Um, <laughs> maybe sleeping. <laughs> Look, I—I I take notes. <laughs> really? Where are your notes this time, Mo? <laughs> Fuck you. I—I <laughs> uh, I sent Mo over my set of notes after Mo misplaced his own. Uh, I lost them. I didn't. I didn't misplace them. I accidentally deleted them. <laughs> Ah, oh, those Macs really work well, huh? Nothing bad ever. I'm just, I'm just pulling your chain. Nothing bad ever happens to a Mac, ever. <laughs> um, so, uh, in fact, we get to see this coffin room, and we get to see Bane and Heather interact. Uh, and he basically is threatening her. He's not doing anything particularly terrible to her as of yet. But he does have a big sword, which is very impressive. And he ends the scene by... Um,
1: By, like, snuffing a
2: candle. He snuffs a candle with the sword. He says, you fucked with the wrong man. Actually, I think Heather (laughs) says you fucked with the wrong man, which he obviously has.
1: (laughs) It's true. Bane, like it, it, it's like I think the funniest part of this entire movie is just how like how much you know Bane's gonna get
2: his ass handed to him. Like when John finally catches up to him. In fact, even at this point, Bane would have probably uh, done d- done something to Heather, except she has a cross necklace on, and every time he yeah. tries to go near her, he can't because the cross is like it's full of Jesus' power. It is the power. Of Jesus. And so he can't go near it. In fact, I really, I love what they do with that, which is that uh, since he can't go near it and all of the creatures that he has available, all of his underlings, they're all vampires too. He basically goes and hires some dude off the street telling him he'd give him a few bucks, if he comes in and just takes her necklace off. <laughs> well, that's really great, actually. It's it's
1: pretty genius when you think about it, you know. Like of course it would be a lot funnier if the guy he the guy he accidentally hires or he hires uh, is accidentally a uh, a vampire as well. Like, oh, I'm, oh, I can't I can't do it. Um, so, oh, speaking speaking of
0: which.
2: Oh my nuts, no- <laughs> Tala. <Tara>! Um, <laughs> <laughs> so then uh, they go back to John's place in order to gather some equipment. They go back to the garage, and then they're attacked by a suburban Sasquatch. <laughs> No, th- this is actually, um, they go back to the, the garage, and they split up a bit. Uh, Ramon stays in the garage while John goes upstairs. Um, I guess, I don't know if he's looking for clues or cleaning up or whatever. And both of them encounter women. Uh, in the case of Ramon, we oh, that's right. right we were given a little Ridiculous. bit of backstory that the reason that Ramon became a vampire hunter. Wait, are we at Ramon's house, or are we at John's house? We're at John's house, house right now.
1: Yeah, because that you lose is still written on the... On the thing that 's right,
2: and Ramon uh, had a, a wife or girlfriend who was actually killed by uh, Morgan, so that 's why he became a vampire hunter, and in fact, his whole plan is that after he kills Morgan that he 's basically going to kill himself so he can be with his wife hey. It works, and upstairs, John uh, encounters a female vampire who tries to seduce him with her wily sexual ways. She, she says something really funny too. I'm trying to think of what it was.
1: It's like, uh, I hear you like pretty girls, or something like that. <laughs> That's not that funny, Mo. <laughs> it, it, no, I mean, it, but it's such a. Re- I mean, yeah, I get it. I mean, <laughs> sure, I hear you like pretty girls, but I mean, like, who says? That? But also, what is it? <laughs> uh, sorry, no, I don't. I like homely, sorry, homely I, women I, I only for me. Look. I'm more into confident fives than, <laughs> than uh, you know, I don't get it. I don't date anybody above a three. Sorry.
2: <laughs> um, uh, John, of course, resists the temptation and kills the vampire. While, unfortunately, Ramon is not so lucky. He is uh, weakened by the fact that his, uh, his now is brought back wife slash girlfriend um who who he encounters in the garage she uh she bites him and and he is quickly on his way to becoming a vampire way to go ramon well he had a moment of weakness that we don't actually get to see he had a moment of weakness jesus fucking christ (laughs) (laughs) i'm not proud no, nor should you be. Um, <laughs> the, and they actually they, – <laughs> this is weird because Ramon says that the, his wife um, took all of his weapons when she left after biting him and, and only left him with a, a gun with like a scope on it and a small yeah. crossbow that he, gives to, uh, that he gives to John. But who gives a fuck? The whole place is filled with weapons.
1: Exactly. And if, I mean, the, the only – and to be honest with you, that crossbow is not really even useful to him because it's not like – it's not like he uses it to take anybody out from a distance. Right. Like there's actually – like because basically he, there's this nice – there's this fun little getting ready scene where he kind of like, you know, sharpens the tips on – Yeah, on this is what happens now. We all all get uh, we get the
2: famous uh, getting ready montage of him getting weapons together to go take on the vampire in their final confrontation.
1: Yeah. And so what he does is he sharpens the and like anything that has that has like a blunt end on it, he sharpens
2: it. <laughs> just just like uh, what you did as a kid, right, Mo? Yeah, exactly. So he's got like a
1: tong far that he sharpens the end on, and uh, and like a like he, like the the kendo stick, um, <laughs> which I think we were wrongly calling a katana is just a kendo stick. All oh, right, it kind of um,
2: looks I mean it's hard to, yeah, to it's, see it. It's black and it looks like a katana. It makes sense, Yeah, he has, sense, he has two big set. machetes too which he uh, I think he he sharpens. Um and he 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 fixes like a wrist uh holder which he can then place small uh arrows for his crossbow onto.
1: Yeah. And he puts on And he's got all, and he's records. got like little pockets everywhere that he puts like throwing stars in and he puts a, a little like homemade cross. <laughs> I in mean
2: one of the he's blankets. he's he is covering himself with weapons. He really is. And not only, like, not only does he cover himself with weapons, he also has uh, at this point a kick-ass motorcycle that he gets on.
1: Yeah, it's almost it's almost as comedic as like that scene in I'm Gonna Get You, right? where uh, where, he's, where that dude just loads himself up with
2: weapons. <laughs> I love how it ends too, where Ramon goes, "God, go with you," <laughs> and he goes, "If he can catch up." Oh fuck, yeah, I fucked that up. We, you're gonna have to edit that out, Mo. I'm gonna Why? because he doesn't say if he can catch up, it's if he can oh, keep if, if up. If he can keep up. Yeah. Yeah. So Ramon says <laughs> God go with you. And John You know I'm not gonna edit this <laughs> out, right? Motherfuck. <laughs> so Ramon says he says, God go with you, and then a suburban Sasquatch comes out <laughs> <laughs> and and rips John's head off. <laughs> That might be the sound of the motorcycle starting up as well. Oh, my God. <laughs> Tara! Um, <laughs> this is our best
4: episode ever. All
2: right, all right. So Ramon says, God, go with you. And John, because he's got Quipper, he says, if he can keep up. And then he drives away on his motorcycle like a super badass.
1: Yeah, and I, 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 you know, and I don't know if you noticed or not, but the motorcycle that he had was a Katana.
2: Oh, Meaningful
1: (laughs) Just saying, you know. It just so basically everything in John's life is related in some way to Look, he trained in martial arts in Japan, okay? Makes sense. It does, and he is well. That that explains
2: why he's got a you know a Japanese rice rocket. Yes, it it absolutely does. Um, so this uh, scene ends with <laughs> Ramon actually motioning to kill himself because that's what he says he's going to do because he hasn't turned full vampire yet. So we would think that Ramon is dead, but, but. wink, maybe he's not dead yet. It's true. Um, this this is where Bane – it cuts back to the art gallery where Bane has hired someone to try to take the cross off. Uh, and, in fact, when the guy comes in to take off the cross off of Heather's uh, necklace, uh, he actually – she's escaped. She's actually pretty clever, this uh, this Heather. She's not too bad. She's not too bad. Very good, Mo. <laughs> uh, and, in fact, the guy that they hired, when he sees that she's escaped, he just takes off. <laughs> and he doesn't get killed or anything. I love it. He just, he's like, fuck this and just goes. Because you because you
1: think you know uh, in, a, in a in a essentially a warehouse full of uh, vampires that you know somebody would think to to stop him, but that's all right. Let him
2: go, <laughs> Let him go. and it's a good thing he got away when he did because John arrives. A, one of the henchmen uh, goes to the door, and and John just barges in and starts killing everybody. Yeah, but then this is and this is what I was saying. Like when like he you know he uses he
1: uses the crossbow. Like he basically knocks over the first guy and stabs him with his. Tong far, um, then he then he shoots one guy from across the room, knocks another guy <laughs> over, and while the dude's knocked over, I think Bane says something really ridiculous like "attack him while he's
2: reloading." Well, they are just kind of standing there, <laughs> Yeah.
1: you know, and, and so of course nobody attacks him while he's reloading, and then he shoots the guy on the ground. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, it's like you just took one dude out with your handy weapon you know like why do you need to shoot the guy on the ground he's already on the ground it's true
2: it was very frustrating to see him do that because he could have shot at anybody else and also there's two asian guys in the scene and i spent the whole time waiting for them to jump into the fray and i don't want to be like uh awful or racist about it but they but you expected more from but them. Uh, one of them is really good he comes out with machetes and he's Gets you know He gets into it. They have a pretty good True. fight before John stabs him in the eyeball with a steak. <laughs> no one really holds a candle to him at all. Like, he doesn't run into any trouble at all until he gets yeah. to Morgan. Which, by the way, is the classic Chuck Norris way of making a movie. And a lot of action stars actually where, when In any sort of hand, hand-to-hand combat situation, they always dominate, usually right up to the end. And even the, the big baddie has to cheat in order to even keep it on an even keel.
1: Of course.
2: Uh, so Bane. so it's time for our main event. I say that because that's what the character says in the movie. He says, it's time for the main event. <laughs> and it's sword versus stick as Morgan comes out with his sword. Uh, and John, who is much more adept at fighting, has his stick. Though I think, I mean, the fight is pretty good. Uh, they're both obviously very into it. Um, and they have, you know, kind of a knockdown, drag out brawl.
1: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's it's not the best fight in the
2: movie, no. but it's uh, it's the the most even. <laughs> well, there's a part where. Bane, Morgan Bane. It's maybe the. It's maybe the. It might be the long. Probably Bain is, movie. especially because it's yeah. in two parts. Because this one ends where it looks like Morgan is going to get the uh, the best of John by killing Heather, but suddenly Ramon Ramon, Ramon appears and he flicks a. Uh, a toothpick. He picks a toothpick. At him. <laughs> no, he doesn't. In fact, and he does.
1: He does the uh the razor's edge uh, on Heather and pinzer three
2: games. But, but Ra- he wins the royal rumble. <laughs> Ramon shows up, and when they ask, by the way, when they ask Ramon how he got there so fast, he says that he turned into a bat and flew there. Which I wish they would have shown. That would have been much. That would have been awesome. <laughs> like a little bat on a string <laughs> yeah uh, but uh oh and that's my bat impression this by scene me. by the way it looks like john gets uh, gets killed because he gets shot by uh by morgan uh before ramon can stop everything from happening but but he's okay because uh a he has uh, probably found faith in god which is very important <laughs> uh and jesus christ our lord and savior protected him from the bullet uh, or B, no. or B, it hit one of the throwing stars that he had in his jacket.
1: Yeah, that's what actually happened. This, yeah, we already know that it's we already know that it's B because
2: he hasn't well, found his I, faith yet. He hasn't found his faith. No, yet. Kirk Cameron does not shown up and shown him the error of his ways so far. He ha- Kirk Cameron and, and Ray Comfort show. He hasn't up seen the miracle of the a banana. <laughs> What's he that? hasn't seen the miracle of a banana yet and have his faith restored. <laughs> Anyway, so everyone is okay, uh,
1: pretty much. And then ICP showed up and tried to
2: explain to him what magnets are. (laughs) And then the suburban Sasquatch showed up. Um. (laughs) Tell (laughs) us! So, it's Ramon versus Bane. No. it's Yeah, it is Ramon versus Bane in the back room next to the coffin. They start having a fight. <laughs> what are you playing, Clue? <laughs> yeah, with the candlestick. <laughs> Chill just it out. <laughs> uh, Ramon gets his hand cut off and killed. Uh, in fact, this whole scene, lots of stuff happens really, really quickly. Um, so, Ramon gets gets taken out of action, finally, since he's supposed to be dead anyway but his his yeah. old girlfriend or wife shows up and she uh, she's there with the super soaker full of holy water i guess vampires can handle them too um john shoots her with a crossbow so he, he does use it for something and then he that's true I, I love this he attaches a throwing star to his foot and then he kicks bane in the head with it and then he machetes bane in the head it's like overkill at this point.
1: Yeah, when he machetes, like him macheteing Bane in the head, I think is actually my favorite moment in the film because it's hilarious.
2: I mean, that's the classic effect, right? That's the Dawn of the Dead, Tom Savini slashing the head yeah. with a machete. But it looks great; it looks really good compared to uh, I've seen that in so many no-budget movies where it looks just
1: terrible. Uh, but yeah, but they did a pretty good job of it. Um, and then uh, what is it? He yeah, so he, so so then his. Then Heather tosses him one of the stakes, right? And he goes to stake uh, Bane and ends up and ends up getting Ramon. He
2: he turns to catch the stake, and he immediately turns back towards uh, Bane to stab him through the heart with it. But Bane has already vanished, so he ends up stabbing Ramon with it instead. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and uh, we now discover that sur- some vampires have secret morphing abilities because Bane turns into a giant super cat vampire. Uh, yeah, <laughs> this, you had a problem with this, Mo. Let's hear it. I, well, I you know I didn't. I like. I loved the mask. <laughs> Is it a mask? I think
1: it's like like or like the. It's, I think it's like prosthetics mm-hmm. on like on his face with makeup. But he's but he's also got gloves, <laughs> yeah. and the gloves is what I had the problem with. And there's only really one scene where the gloves are prominent. Like he goes to grab something, and like the fingers like totally bend backwards on it. You know, it just looks absolutely ridiculous. But the face looks off. It really does.
2: Uh, I think I, it really does. I put like and you put a, you put a picture of it up on our Facebook Yeah yeah and it looks i mean it's cool i mean it's it's cool in a way that it's kind of cheesy, but it's definitely hey that that's better than most films get get at all it's true uh this next scene also has a great Moment. In fact, it's probably my favorite line in the whole movie, where Heather. The one Heather. Yeah. Yeah. Heather. I'll I'll let you take it. Heather and the female vampire are basically having a little struggle, uh, and and the female vampire goes look into my eyes, and Heather goes look into my shin and kicks her in the face. Kicks her in the face. (laughs) 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 I give I'll give Sean Gallimore credit. That's one great line that he didn't give to himself.
1: So, Uh, I I think I'm with you on that one. I think that's my favorite line in the film too.
2: (laughs) So, John, uh, at this point, even though he's macheted uh, the Bane in the head, but Bane has now become the super vampire. Now things are they're they're closer. Here's where the movie gets a little weird. Yeah, it does. Explain how it gets weird, Mo. Well, at this point, you know, you know, like John, I think like he
1: uses one of the crosses. On Bane, like the the, the handmade one. Right? Oh, this is where he grabs. This is where he uses his, where the hand, the, the glove is. Because he holds up the cross to him and Bane just grabs it and throws it away, essentially. Right? Uh, and in the process of grabbing it, like the fingers on his glove bend backwards and it looks really stupid. <laughs> um, you know, but then John kind of looks backwards for a second mm-hmm. and sees the ghosts of Ramon and his wife and like and yeah and like you know and like it's like out of you know because of that now you know now he has faith and you can tell he has faith too because
2: you know like you have to have faith after a moment like that mo let me tell you something <clears throat> i don't believe in spooks <laughs> i don't believe in ghosts i don't i don't believe in in uh the supernatural necessarily i'm not saying anyone listening uh, has to believe or live in the same way that I do. However, uh, part of my own religious beliefs, whatever you may think of them, the reason that they are as they are, uh, which is, is that I am, I'm an atheist, is because yeah. uh, I've never encountered anything like that. But if I yeah, saw exactly. a ghost, it totally would shake the entire foundation of my belief system. Sure. So I can see where he's coming from. He sees the ghost yeah, yeah. of Ramon and Ramon and his, his, uh, his girlfriend slash wife, who's uh, now I guess they're happily ever after since they don't have to live as vampires in the afterlife. They just have to live as ghosts trapped forever uh, walking the earth. Um, that, that now he believes in uh, Jesus, our Lord and Savior. <laughs> so, yeah. So now he uses he gets the um,
1: Heather's cross. Yes. Right? And he uses that. And that works.
2: It works. He uses his super faith in God power with a cross, and it totally works. His, and then come the kicks. He pulls out a croco duck. <laughs> he,
1: and a suburban Sasquatch.
2: That's right. There, this is where the suburban Sasquatch really shows up. I was joking about those. There you go. Take that bean. him with his massive Sasquatch hits. <laughs> No, uh, what happens is that John, uh, he has a barrage of kicks. He kicks the shit, like kicks. Tons and tons of Yeah, tons of kicks, spinning kicks, punches, and uh, then finally Heather throws over the baton, uh, which he has sharpened into a stake, and he stakes uh, Morgan through the heart.
1: It's called a tong far.
2: You're called a tong far. (laughs) I think you've gone to tong far very good <laughs> nope <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, the the two lovers uh, that would be Heather and John they embrace and uh, and things come to a close because the action is over and we get this
3: oh. ah,
2: like this music would be great over a montage anyway
3: what you I your dream. 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 The night. Oh, can the
2: What a ridiculous song. Is it is it ridiculous or is it so great? that it just blows your mind and you just can't fathom. Is it a, okay, here's a question. Forget this movie.
1: I don't have it. I don't have it. No, have no it. it's okay. I know I know what you're going to I know what you're going to ask me for. I okay. don't have it.
2: I understand that you don't have it and it's good you don't have it. And what we're talking about here ladies and gentlemen is that I'm referring back to the closing song from Suburban <laughs> Sasquatch. If if we're speaking in terms of quality <laughs> of music, Which of those two songs, this Dream Machine song here, or uh, I can't remember the name of the Suburban Sasquatch song, which do you think is better, Mo? Uh, uh,
1: uh, I'm not the right person to ask this question to because I'm going
2: to say the Suburban Sasquatch one. You should say that because that's the correct answer. Oh, okay. Good. <laughs> but uh, for anyone who wants to hear that song, it is played in the previous episode, and you should check it out because I would say that that hmm, I don't want to I don't want to overstate how good it is, but I do think it's the greatest recording <laughs> made in the history of mankind.
1: It's the single greatest song in the history of great songs,
2: and the fact that it's the the grandmother or mother I suppose of the director uh, that pushes it over the edge for me because it's that <laughs> it's like oh yeah grandma sing a song for my movie yeah we are the
3: children <laughs> of nature <laughs> we are and
2: yeah. she loved Jesus too yeah so it all it kind of it comes I
3: trust him I
0: trust him. <laughs>
2: Uh, So, yeah, the dream machine, we end with the song playing over the closing credits. There isn't anything really of note in the closing credits except that
1: just that... Yeah, that Sean Gillamore is uh, pretty much everything yeah, he, in the movie. He
2: he is a man of all seasons, and he. Oh uh, my nuts! <laughs> and 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 it shows that the film was actually at least the credits uh, give 1997 as its uh, as its production date. As a, finally some truth and advertising. That's right. Finally, we <laughs> finally there's some justification for how it looks and or sounds. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it. Vampire Hunter. Now, it's important to note as well that if you're looking for this film on YouTube, and again, I mentioned before that you can view it for free and it's legal on there, uh, that for some reason they, A, have it down as Vampire Hunters, uh, which is an appropriate title as well since there are more than one. Uh, and they also use the uh, image uh, from, from a Chewy Hark film as opposed to the actual cover of Vampire Hunter. So it might be a little tricky to find, but go on our Facebook uh, As I said, just go on our Facebook page. It's on there. Look, generally, I would think people would be doing that anyway. But we asked them to email us, Mo, and that doesn't always seem to work. Look, we get, a, we get a lot of traffic on our Facebook page. Just because nobody ever
1: emails us ever, with the exception of one person who shall remain nameless.
2: Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you should. Mo, Mo What what are we even talking about? If they wanted to check us out on Facebook, how would they even go about that?
1: Well, that one's easy. They can just search for us, No Budget Nightmares, or just go to Facebook.com slash No Budget Nightmares. All one word? word.
2: All right. That's good. (laughs) However, if they were a little more old school, they were a bit, uh, you know, they still carry the boombox over their shoulder, and they lay it on the cardboard, and they do a little breakdancing. What if they wanted to email us instead?
1: Well, if they were so inclined huh and it seems that nobody has been so no no, far. not yet, but this this one uh, will bring them out i think <laughs> yeah this is this is the one uh you know what we have to do? We have to do something so offensive on the next episode that we that we inspire people to send
2: us some actual like hate mail. well, I imagine that with my uh obviously sincere. Love and respect for Jesus Christ who died for us on the cross that 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 would promote them to uh, to show their respect and love for me by emailing us
1: yeah but you know what the problem is is that the people who listen to our show clearly must be heathens mm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> but if they wanted to email us uh, getting back to that they can send us we have there's two options they can either send it to no nightmares at dailygrindhouse. com or if they wanna if they wanna be like the cool kids, they could send it to uh no budget nightmares D G, mm-hmm. as in Daily Grindhouse, at Gmail.com. Let me repeat that one sure. more time. No budget nightmares D G right? at gmail.com.
2: And of course they could find us find either of us on Twitter. I am at drunk on V H S. And I am at Doug underscore Tilly, that's T I L L E Y. E-Y. it's very important if you're looking for me. i <laughs> um, very popular, so it uh, there's a lot of competition for my attention. Um, yeah, I'm not I'm not so I'm not so popular. That's on because anymore. you make yourself scarce, Mo. We,
1: we, we, I've been really busy. We, I've, i I and and I've legitimately been way too busy. I don't if I if, it. I if if my if my phone was on because my phone's not on. If my phone was on, I would be on Twitter a lot more because I could be I could be tweeting while I'm out and
2: about. Why don't you turn your fucking phone on, Mo? My my, I owe them. Money. Oh, I see. <laughs> I see how that works. Well, I'm disappointed, but if you want to send Mo money, what email address should they use, Mo? Yeah, well, my PayPal is under DrunkOnVHS@gmail.com.
1: <laughs> so send Mo money. To, if you feel free to send me look, money. I
2: know we have a wide and diverse uh, listenership for the podcast, and certainly there has to be one crazed billionaire who just wants to support us financially. I mean, we don't need a. Yeah, we don't need uh, we don't need a Kickstarter or anything. Just one guy who has a lot of money, and I'm not asking for a million dollars. Just a couple of hundred thousand. No, uh, we're, yeah, we're not asking for a million. We're asking for two, two, million. two right? One each, uh, because each of us. Oh, needs a million. million. I have a wife I have to take care of. Okay, and she All right, would so you fall apart to, you without need... me. All right, so you need 1.1 million. (laughs) Well, (laughs) because I've got two kids, I got to. So
1: I need need 1.3 million. I
2: got to give her a couple hundred thousand dollars and send her back to her home country. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you mean here? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, to you. (laughs) She can. She can. She can Uh. take care of your kids. Hey, it all works out. I hit it. Uh, She she just yelled that she would hit it in the background, which means that she would provide sexual favors to you. I'm I'm familiar with the uh, vernacular. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Like probably like I mean, she has skills. I'm not going to go into detail <laughs> on the podcast, but she, uh, yeah, she says that Mo likes stick girls. She does this thing with her tongue. As long as as now, it's going to involve you doing some waxing, but it's going to be all right in the all end. Right. Uh, and believe me, you are going it, to it. You you going to paint the walls afterwards. Let me tell you. Uh, but uh, so. <laughs> so so yeah oh back to uh, someone giving us money please do that give me money uh, and then if there's any left over we can give some to mo and if there's any left over after that we'll give some to my wife no nah. and some kids or whatever i don't care <laughs> <laughs> mo yes we've already done all the contact information right we you have. mentioned the twitter you mentioned the facebook page you mentioned the email addresses I did. Okay. But we I even gave my PayPal. You did. You me. did. In fact, what's your address, mo? Uh oh, that would be um no. It's it's in Connecticut. I think we've already gone over that. Yeah, that's about as much as I'm willing to give out. <laughs> <laughs> You're probably listed in the phone book, but not that that matters anymore. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not. I'm not I'm not listed in a phone book. <laughs> what is a phone book anyway? Uh
1: it's it's thing that's it's something that strong guys rip have. half. Mhm. That's true. Uh
2: uh, Jill is now part of the podcast apparently cuz she's just going to speak over me trying to <laughs> <laughs> this <is my> house. <laughs> Man this is like a throwback to old I know it's uh... it's speaking, speaking of, of which, of
0: which is, she, she if, she's uh, helpful uh, uh,
1: cuz there is there has been requests for the old episodes uh why I have no idea but <laughs> there's been requests for the old episodes um they are available. If you go to our Facebook page, there's a link on there to uh, to bring you to the old episodes. Like our first five episodes, uh, to our first like, five uh, episodes, which which do include hip hop locos, which um, I mean everybody should listen to, but nobody should ever watch. Right. Um, and as that is, that is also our shortest episode. So wow. I mean, it's not. It's not so painful. It, we jumped quick, man. First episode was forty-five minutes. Second episode was an hour
2: twenty. Oh yeah, wow. yeah. And we haven't really. And we haven't really looked back. We may have even <laughs> promised at some point in that first episode that we'd never go over like ninety minutes. But You're like, we don't ever want this episode. We
1: don't ever want the show to go over. You know. And meanwhile, we have like two and a half hour episodes. Yeah. Uh, not as much as like you know John Cross does. But speaking of which, uh, have
2: you checked out that After Movie Diner podcast? Uh, where they uh his anniversary episode which just dropped all about the Evil Dead franchise. Well, I'm
1: actually much more interested in the episode just previous to that one where a certain
2: handsome gentleman I listened to that one. Uh, it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the look, Evil Dead look, episode I, has a handsome gentleman and I got to say his voice it made me come and it was I, I awesome. Have, I have I have
1: actually I've actually gotten and this is really sad but I've actually gotten more response email from my appearance on <laughs> on
2: After Movie Diner, than we've done in twenty episodes of this show. We're two very available people, so if people want to give us feedback, and, and frankly, people do give it to us on the Facebook page, which is nice. Oh yeah, to we see. get it on Facebook and we get it on Twitter all the time. But I mean, like
1: nobody ever emails yeah. us. <laughs> well, again, I'm not one person, but we're not going to get into that.
2: <laughs> we'll just kind of vaguely mention it every once in a while. Yeah, uh, Mo, <laughs> we'll be like. Oh yeah, check out the, those two episodes of the After Movie Diner podcast. Am I saying that right? After Movie Diner podcast.
1: I think I think he calls it the podcast from the After
2: Movie Diner. Fuck him! What really? John, you pre, you pretentious twat! Right now, what's our email address again, Mo? <laughs> 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 but uh, but the, the, both of those episodes are great, uh, and and not to focus. Um, too much on it, but the Evil Dead episode is their anniversary episode, has interviews with lots of the cast and me, so it's great. Uh, and so you should check that out, and certainly the episode before that with Mo as well. Mo, what movie are we going to feature next time on the No Budget Nightmares podcast?
1: This is good. this is a good one. You know, we wa- I wanted to do something special, as I was telling you before, uh, before we started recording today. I wanted to do something special for our 20th episode, and then <laughs> realized that this was our 20th episode. It was special? Uh, yeah, very. Uh, wait, hold on.
0: Oh my nuts.
1: <laughs> um, so <laughs> we're going to have an extra special 21st episode uh, because now we can legally drink and uh, and it is going to be the Todd sheets
2: already know its quality classic zombie rampage. Mo, I don't know if you know this, but in Canada, the drinking age is actually 19, so uh, we've already been able to do that for a couple of episodes now. How- Listen here. Listen here, sir. <laughs> <laughs> well, as long as you're going to address me as sir. Uh, yes, Todd Sheets, immortal. Zombie Rampage. You know, uh, I just recently had a chance to talk to the director of Death Metal Zombies, one of the uh, films previously featured on the No Budget Nightmares Todd, uh, Toddcast. Well, I guess it is Toddcast because the director is Todd Jason Falcon Cook. Uh, <laughs> director. The, the no Budget Nightmares Toddcast. <laughs> it's, it's starting to feel that way. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, we did cover Death Metal Zombies before, which we both really enjoyed. I had a chance to talk to him, uh, and that's up on the uh, Daily Grindhouse website, and he had some really nice things to say about the influence that Todd Sheets had on his career, and the, the, that when he was young, when he was just getting started back in the early '90s, that they actually got together, and uh, and Todd Sheets was a, was a you know a real motivator for him to keep making genre films. It's one of the things we've talked about in the past that even if the movies themselves are not always great. Todd Sheets has been a really good influence on low-budget filmmakers, and we know that he's been through some health issues lately. So I think this is a really appropriate film to try to cover uh, as as our anniversary plus one episode. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, this, this uh, uh,
1: th- zombie rampage actually still kind of I have a very special place in my heart for it because uh, uh, it's one of the first it's one of the first movies that I was ever given as like a birthday present. Wow. You know, uh, by like my friends, because like I, I never had the f- the kind of friends growing up who would like give birthday presents. You know. Um, so finally, I think it was like my, I think it was like my 17th or 18th birthday. Uh, a buddy of mine gives me a present and, and I open it up and it's fucking zombie rampage. And I'm like, this is fucking awesome. Uh,
2: that would have, that would be my reaction as well. Uh, and, and yeah. I, it's funny cause both of us have seen this film before. We're not going to give away our impressions too much, but, uh, it is the kind of movie which, which, you know, you, you could have a strong reaction to without a doubt, without a doubt. Mo, before we finish up. What's the last movie that you saw that wasn't this movie? Uh, I watched Cyrus last All night right. with Jonah Hill. Uh, yeah, with
1: yeah, I, I like to say with John C. Riley, but yeah, uh, <laughs> but both of those are correct.
2: <laughs> um, Is that a Mumblecore film? I, I don't know. It's from I the Duplass Brothers, right? Yeah, maybe. I don't know. It's like you should doesn't have done a doesn't... little bit of your research here, Mo. Unless yeah. I'm wrong, <laughs> and then I look really stupid right now. Yeah, I don't really know. I mean, was it good?
1: I I never pay attention I love it you know like the per- the person who uh uh like on on miso, the person who checked into it right before me left a note on it saying saying this is a fucking awful movie, and uh, and like I want like I like I really like I had this whole like response written up for it. I'm like I'm like this movie's great. I'm like the idiot below me, you know. <laughs> um, nothing passive aggressive about that. But I yeah, but I never I never uh, <laughs> I'm very passive aggressive. <laughs> but I never uh, I never I didn't post it. Because I, I'd much rather accentuate the positive, you know. Make
2: love, not war. That's the Mo way. Ex- yeah. And uh, and I don't really do either of those, but <laughs> um, Mo, have you seen have Hero? you seen uh, Batman: uh, The Dark Knight Rises?
1: No, I'm actually going tomorrow. Well, I guess when this airs, it would be t- today. Right. But um, but yeah, it's. Um, uh, but yeah I'm I'm gonna, I'm going to go see that after band practice tomorrow. Well I'm
2: interested in hearing your response to it. I bet we'll see it on Twitter if uh, if people do follow you on there. I have seen it. I, I'm going to try I'm going to try really hard not to ruin anything for anybody. Yeah. No you won't ruin anything. And to be honest it's uh, the the spectacle of it is is the type that um, that I don't think that even spoilers would necessarily ruin it, but obviously we're going to avoid those in any way that we can. No, I, pe- I have people. Oh, so uh, that's the that's the kind of movie that that
1: you know somebody would. Well, you know what? That's a. I was about to say something that would have been a really poor taste. Um, that's the kind of movie that uh, somebody would be very upset if if I were to give Jesus Christ. No, I think
2: we all know the horrible thing that you were thinking just I, then.
1: I. It, it, it's it's just it was a turn of phrase that I use fairly often, and I didn't mean to go there.
2: All right. we, we forgive you, uh, just like our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ would forgive. I forgive Jesus you. Christ, uh, and <laughs> <laughs> and I have seen Batman: uh, Dark Knight Rises. In fact, um, my wife and uh, a friend of ours we went to the screening of all three of the Batman films, and Jill had never seen Ooh. any of them before. Uh, I wish I knew. And that was her in the background saying that she wished she never had. She did not enjoy them. Um, She she had not seen any Batman films at all since the uh, 1960s. Batman. Uh, not that she was uh, alive in the '60s, but that's the only one. That she... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're you're actually married to a 57 year old. <laughs> you say that like it's a bad thing, but uh, it's not a bad thing. But uh, she had never seen any of the Tim, those Tim Burton know what they're doing. She'd never seen the Tim Burton films. Never really. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you could have been alive in 1989 and not have seen that film. But seven. I was, I was nine, and I saw I, it. Like I was going to say, yeah, I was. Yeah, she's. I don't know, man. I don't know how she could not have seen that at some point in the 1990s. I think th- I think that's actually one of one of the first movies I ever owned. I, th- I think it was one of the first, and I might be wrong on this. That went to, right to uh, sell through. It went to so you could purchase it for like uh, twenty bucks as opposed to the hundred dollars or however much a VHS yeah 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 was. So I mean, everyone seemed to have a copy of that movie except for Jill, who was raised on the moon. Apparently, didn't have a until uh, let's have a conversation in the middle of the podcast. You're talking about <laughs> Uh, but, yes, I thought the – I liked the Batman movies. Uh, <laughs> I liked the Batman movies. Uh, I, I enjoyed the watching all three of them back-to-back. Back. It gave some really interesting perspective. I will say that while I enjoyed Dark Knight Rises, I did not enjoy it as much as the Dark Knight. But I did enjoy it more than I liked uh, Batman Begins, which I don't really care for.
1: I was, I was going to say
2: that myself, is that, like, I, I'm not a big fan of Batman Begins. No. Uh, and watching it – and, and it's, it's funny because I remember when The Dark Knight came out, I was very skeptical because I didn't like Batman Begins very exactly. much. Exactly. Me me too. Me too. And because I didn't know what to expect from
1: Heath Ledger um, because he hadn't really proven himself
2: Especially yet. because people were, when they were talking about casting that role, I remember the, one of the initial uh, ideas floated was Crispin Glover, and I thought he would have been so perfect. And I was like, oh, you're going with Heath Ledger. I don't know. But mm. I will say that, especially watching them back to back, the Dark Knight is such a massive upgrade from Batman Begins in sure, every way. Sure. I mean, even down to the visuals and the soundtrack. I mean, everything about it is better. Uh, and I find that Dark Knight Rises is sort of in between, uh, and that's all I'll say about it. Because everyone should check it out. It's still worth seeing, and especially if you like that franchise. But uh... well, I've heard, I've heard. I mean, like,
1: because obviously everybody and their mom, you know has to give their opinion of fucking
2: everything yeah. on the internet now. Says two and, guys um, on a podcast giving their opinion on this.
1: <laughs> you know, yeah, says the guy who runs podcasts. But I'm just saying... Um, so, I mean, so I've heard everything, I mean, literally everything from this is the
2: single greatest movie of all time yep. to this is the biggest load of bunk ever. Yeah. so It's divisive. There's no doubt about it. I mean, it's, I think more people like it than don't. Uh, and, and the people who don't like it are very loud about their opinions. I, feel, I felt that it was somewhere in the middle. I will say, though, that having watched this film and and The Avengers this summer that I thought The Avengers was a much more entertaining film, though I... You know, I still haven't seen that either. I think that Dark Knight Rises might have a little bit more uh, weight to it, emotional resonance, mm. certainly, but it, it all depends what you're looking for out of a film. They're both really well-made films. You know it wasn't a really well-made what, film? What, Mo? The Lorax. Oh, yes, you didn't care for the Lorax, and you found it, you found it. its environmental message preachy. I, yeah, it was. It was very preachy. But I but after
1: watching that I did go back and watch that animated one. Mm-hmm. Uh the, the the short made for T V sure. animated one that they did back in like the late seventies, early eighties. Uh and that one was
2: awesome. <clears throat> really well done. Right. So it's not just but, that Mo hates the environment. He just hated that particular film and it's uh, kind of over the top message. To exactly. Jill uh, was good enough to add that that he, you, it's because you know that both Jill and myself work for environmental organizations that you decided to uh, kind of shove your opinion in our faces. Yeah, that's. I it. haven't seen the movie. I don't give a shit.
1: To be honest with you, I had no idea that either one of you guys worked for environmental organizations,
2: what? and I still don't care. Hey. <laughs> uh, I don't care that you don't care, so it's okay. No, you're right. Lorax, whatever, that's fine. Uh I, I uh I don't really have anything else to say about Vampire Hunter, but I have to say that I'm very much looking forward to talking about this zombie rampage film.
0: and,
1: and uh and I'm very looking forward to uh to finally getting to see uh Zombify. Zombify, That's... Todd
2: Jason Falcon Cooks. One of the Todds.
1: <laughs> In this Todd cast. Yes.
2: Well, you'll see. I liked it. The review's up. Up. Yeah, I read it. Yeah, the review's up over. Uh, up. Yeah, yeah, review's up over. I'm not, Mo, I'm not just talking to you. I'm the only one who matters. <laughs> You're probably the only one listening at this point. But yes, the review is over. <laughs> available over at the Grindhouse, and you can actually uh, check out my interview with him and uh, pick up a copy of Zombified yourself. It's a lot of fun, especially if you like
4: death metal zombies.
1: Woo yeah! All
4: right, see you, everybody. Peace. I can't urge you enough to listen to the Schlock Treatment Podcast with Mark McDonald, Doug Fry, Matt Ringler, and Kirk Howie. They are a schlock and B movie podcast to review films currently available to view on Netflix so that you never need to feel left out. It's a fantastically funny show done by a great bunch of guys, most of whom currently have beards. If that doesn't sell it to you, then nothing will, and you're cold dead inside. So, every Saturday, check out Schlock Treatment on iTunes or schlocktreatment.com. Hey guys, what's up? Matt Wrangler from the Schlock Treatment
1: Podcast. We make good stuff out of bad movies just for you.
4: Hi, I'm John Water. Hi, this is Dolph Lundgren. Hi, I'm Lance Henriksen. Hi, this is Keith Gordon. Robert Pune. Miguel Ferrer, Nancy Allen. Robert Davi. It's Richard Elfman. Ileana Douglas. Patrick
2: Warburg. Wingshauser. Cliff DeYoung. Um, Steve Railsback. Mr. T. William Cass. If you haven't been listening to the Projection Booth podcast, you're missing out. Each week, the Projection Booth brings you
4: in-depth discussions of some of the most interesting movies ever made. I'm Mike White. No, the other one. I'm the guy who wrote the film fanzine Cashiers to Cinemart since 1990 four early 2011 i've been co-hosting the projection booth podcast try us won't you i never
2: try anything i just do it
4: visit the projection booth at projection-booth.com hi i'm steven seagal that's right Steven Seagal, and for the past 40 years, in between barbecuing and oxen and roasting ball for my insatiable appetite, I never miss an episode of Dr. Action and the Kick-Ass Kid Commentaries. Ain't that right, Johnny? Hi, I'm Dr. Action. Hi, and I'm the Kick-Ass Kid. When I'm not watching action films, I'm usually polishing my gun while looking at a back. And when I'm not watching action films, I'm normally outside with a harpoon killing puppets. But usually, you can find us both watching 80s 90s action films. You could follow us on Twitter, Doctor Action Kickass. You can find us on our main page, which is DrActionKickAss.blogspot.com. You can also find us on iTunes and TalkShoe. Yes, every week we do a commentary on an 80s and 90s action classic, and where we can, we also provide the film so that you can watch along with it. This podcast explodes. Hey, where's that baby mama at? I gotta tell you something about it.
1: Hello, please allow me a moment to intrude on your ears. My name is Ralph Santiago III, and I host the RS3Feed brand podcast. You can find us at rs3feed.podbean.com. We're a wonderful little show that I think you would enjoy. We talk about all sorts of fun things that you may be interested in. You like movies? We talk about movies. You like TV? We talk about TV. You like music? We talk about music. We talk about all sorts of wonderful things like our wives and fiancés. Join me and my usual host, Ryan Stevens, along with a bunch of other wacky co-hosts that I bring on to my show. I think it's a really good time. And I think you would enjoy it. So please find us at
4: rs3feed.podbean.com Also on Twitter at rs3feed. Do you suffer from excessively flabby jowl syndrome? Of course you do. Do your earlobes keep you up at night? Who's doesn't? Wait, wait, wait. Stop this commercial right away. I'm taking it over. Why, look, everybody. It's Kermit the...
1: No, no, don't say that. I'm not Kermit the Frog. Rhino testicles. Uh, I get that all the time. My name is Alan and I'm actually more of a toad. Plus, we don't want to get sued. <clears throat> That's besides the point. I'm here to tell listeners they don't need whatever irrelevant pill or medical treatment you're about to sell them. All they need is the After Movie Diner podcast. What are you
4: talking about?
1: Every Monday, the AMD podcast brings you comedy, film discussion, and original music. There's also interviews with film directors, actors, and producers, and interesting guest hosts.
4: Wow. My whole life has been a sham. I'm worth less than nothing. Oh, don't be
1: silly, Mr. VoiceOver Man. It's simple. First, grow a beard. Then, second, read this.
4: And you, too, can be amazing. Really? I always wanted to believe in magic.
1: Oh, no, no, no. We don't have time for a song. Certainly not one that's far too expensive. Just read your damn lines, <laughs> friggin' amateurs.
4: Uh, well, we quite agree, Kurt. I mean, Alan, uh, so we got this guy instead.
1: Go to amdpodcast.blockspot.com or search for After Movie Diner on iTunes, TalkShoe, Podbean, or Facebook, and get that dose of goodness that you've been looking for. For all your sleepless nights, long commutes, lonely weekends, maybe spent dressed in a tutu playing checkers with a machine eating Nutella straight from the jar, it's the After Movie Diner podcast, filled with with... all the B-movie vitamins your body deserves.
4: The podcast you're currently listening to is part of the Second Unit Podcast Network. Find all of our shows at 2upn.blogspot.com or on our Facebook under the Second Unit Podcast Network. Our fantastic list of shows include... Drunk on VHS. We came from the basement. Be off to movie diner. Something weird this way comes with Rue and Mo. No budget nightmares. And Dr. Action and the Kick Ass Kid commentaries. The second unit podcast network bringing you the action, leaving the boring stuff to the other guys. Oh my god, there's been a blue diamond Phillips up on the highway!